The following podcast contains content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Full content warnings can be found in the show notes. It is quiet, dark, and still off the coast of Smenthage, Massachusetts tonight. And that is exactly how Dale Summers likes it. The brisk nighttime air braces against his face as he dangles his rod over the edge of his small boat. The fish aren't biting all that much so far, but that's okay with Dale. It's more about the chance to be out and alone with his thoughts. The town is just a small smear of dimly lit lights on the horizon. And if Dale turns his back to it, he can feel like the only person in the entire world. Adrift in a vastness so much greater than himself. It is a sublime feeling. Dale's moment of peace is disrupted, though, by another source of light. This time, a patch of cool blue radiating from underneath the surface of the water. Dale peers over the edge, trying to figure out where the strange light is coming from, at first thinking it must be a buoy of some kind or maybe one of those floating flashlights. But then it moves. It doesn't drift under the ocean's gentle sway. It moves suddenly and swiftly a little further out to sea. Dale falls back, startled by the sudden motion. The light is once again just floating there, tantalizingly close to the surface, but just not quite close enough to be clearly identifiable. Dale's instincts tell him he needs to turn the boat around to go back to shore, but there is something in the light, something that will not let him look away. Dale finds himself guiding his vessel over towards the light again, which begins to gently retreat once more, slowly leading Dale further and further out. It does this for some time, and then its course shifts slightly, making large, sweeping circles. As Dale's boat follows its path, the waters underneath begin to shift and swirl. The light's arc now tracing the outline of a growing vortex. Now, Dale and the light are slowly but steadily drifting towards its center, being sucked inward and downward. There is a deep, groaning sound from below, but Dale's ears don't register it. He is too transfixed on the light. Suddenly, the light goes out. Dale senses return to him, but it is too late now, too late to do anything, even scream as he and his boat are pulled into the waiting mouth of the ocean. And then, as quickly as they were whipped into a frenzy, the water settled with no sign of the violence that has just occurred. It is once again quiet, dark, and still on the coast of Smithage, Massachusetts tonight.
I can't wait to fight whatever that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's like a little bit of one more last little bit of setup. Sminfidge in the day is certainly brighter, but not much louder or more active than its nighttime counterpart. And it is in this lazy, breezy place that we find one Tempest Harker, standing outside a worn but homely building, the sign above it reading simply, The Anchor Hotel. Tempest, you hold your travel bags in your hand, a little stiff and tired from the drive here, but not too worse for wear. What do you do? Hmm. Well, I'm presuming that it's morning, so they're probably just going to head in head into the hotel to check in and drop off their stuff. And that would make the most sense. Yeah, it's probably, um, I checked, because you're coming down from, I think we said you go to school in Portland. So it's about a two-hour drive down to Massachusetts. All right. You probably left a little earlier in the morning, so it's probably before noon for sure. Mm-hmm. You go into check-in, and behind the check-in desk, you see a very tall, but thin man with a somewhat worn suit and very much gray hair with a few little strands of the original black still poking through. Hi, I think I had a room pre-booked. Oh, yes. Uh, name, please. Harker, Tempest. Oh, right, right. Yes, we have you here. Um, This is your key. You will find your room upstairs. I am your exceedingly humble host and servant, Archibald. They look at him for a minute and take the key. Thank you. I hope your stay in Spinfidge is a memorable one. Do not hesitate to ask me if you require anything, for I am, as always, your exceedingly humble host and servant. Oh, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I got that part. Um, thanks. Sometimes I have to repeat myself, so I like to be sure. Uh-huh. And <laughs> step away from the desk to escape this situation and go and look for where their room is. You get your key. I'm going to say your room is, it's probably only a, I'm going to say it's a two or three story building. I'll let you decide where you want your room to be because you would have literally been the person booking the reservation. Uh, probably, yeah, let's say on the second floor. Okay. The hotel does have a little bit of a view on the ocean, and I imagine you wanted to book an oceanside view if that was a possibility, because who wouldn't? Yes. You make your way up to your room. The room itself, much like the outside of the hotel, is seemingly made very much in a warm style by someone with a sense of comfort, but it's clearly not been upkept that way. So it's, it's definitely kind of worn, but there is still kind of at the edges of that where a sense of comfort. So I assume you, you set yourself down you know, in your room, you get set up. Mm-hmm. It's around that time that you receive a text on your phone that is from your contact here. And remind me, so your advisor is back in Portland. That's correct. Who is your contact down here for your field work? Um, I believe it would have been a colleague of the advisors who is trying to sort of involved in aquaculture, keeping an eye on the fisheries in this area. I do not have a name. If you like, I can come up with one. Yeah, absolutely come up with one. What is a good name for scientists that isn't me just taking names of people I know? You can take names of people you know. You know, as long as they don't listen, it's fine. It's fine. They don't need to consent. 
They don't need to know. I'm just going to call them Andy, because that's a good name for a scientist, and I know one of those. All right. Have you met Andy in person before? No. Okay. You get a text on your phone. I think probably you've swapped numbers or your advisor connected you. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, hey there, how are you finding your accommodations? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, just one second. <laughs> I'm going to do extreme voices because these need to be distinct characters. They have to be distinct. <laughs> I know. And I look forward to it. I just... <sighs> okay. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Professionalism. They're like, it's perfectly nice. Thank you. I, um, I figured you might want a little bit of a break, but I'll be buying a couple hours to pick you up and take you over to look at the sights. Sounds great. I'll be ready. You know, you have a few, like an hour or two to kill. What are you going to do with that time? I think that after a long drive up from Maine, Tempest is dying for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. So they're going to go and see where one can be procured. Okay. Um, are you going to ask Archibald? Or are you going uh, to I think gonna that they try- will. I think they, they visibly steal themselves and go, okay. <laughs> and so you walk up to the desk and Archibald goes, hello, how may I, your exceedingly humble host and servant, be of assistance to you today? I just need a, somewhere I can get a cup of coffee. Oh, of course. You can find one over at the Flotsam and Jetsam Bar and Cafe. A little bit ways down the road, that ways. Tempest takes a moment to process this, and also the fact that they really are going all out on the nautical, which is very typical for New England towns, so they're not that surprised. It's a little, little tourist town, for sure. Mm-hmm. I personally have visited about a thousand towns like this, so... <laughs> and like... Thanks. And again, try and escape the situation. Oh, as one small note before you head out. Do be careful. We've had a couple issues with some sailors going uh, missing at sea. And if you are going to spend time on the water, please don't do it alone. Because if you die, you won't come back and we won't get additional business at a later time. (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. Your patronage is extremely appreciated. Have a lovely day. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And And they walk out. All right. We cut over to the Flotsam and Jetsam bar and cafe where we see Cassandra and Dane. You two have, remind me, um, you can tell me, have you come to town just today or have you been here for a little while? What's the setup here? Uh, I would say we would have just gotten today. Okay. So you've maybe arrived a little bit sooner, checked in, you know, an hour or two before Tempest. And you've just, I guess for the moment, been... Dane, you have a sweet tooth, I think, as we talked about. So you probably wanted to find the nearest place to get some type of confectionery. Yes. So we, we see the two of you sitting outside the Flotsam and Jetsam bar and cafe, snacking on some various, I don't know. What You can tell me, what are you eating? This is very important flavor. Literally. It really is. Um... If they have maple donuts, Dan would love some of those. They have maple. This is the fun thing about a fictional world. They can just have maple donuts. They just <laughs> exist in this this bar now. Actually, no, you literally see a sign outside the cafe that's like, 
try our famous maple donuts. Dane, Dane accepts the challenge and uh, giving the people what we want. Uh, I imagine like Dane will just be like crouched up against the building, double fisting donuts, and oh. like <laughs> just, there are ways you can say that. Just <laughs> so with uh, one donut, with a donut in each hand, and just kind of working down one. Stopping halfway and then working on the other one. Cassandra, what are you eating slash doing while Dane is double fisting donuts, as he so eloquently put it? We need to find a better way to put that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's over, dude. It's over. We it's said done. it on the internet. It's done. <laughs> Cassandra would also be eating maple donuts, as those are their favorite. Uh, they would also be washing it down with a cup of chamomile tea. Cassandra is is not going at the donut as vigorously as Dana is, uh, mostly just like tearing pieces off and popping it into their mouth. Yeah, so I want to know, and y'all can do this kind of in character and talk, like what is, why have y'all come here? Like what is y'all's motivation and what is your plan, you know, for the rest of the day or the next coming days? I, I guess Dane will kind of prompt the conversation. Do you think someone is killing these sailors? <sighs> Uh, no, no doubt, no doubt about it, honestly. Um, there's, there's totally something in the water. Something or someone. It's an important question. At this point, what's the difference? I, I have a feeling there's a monster of some sort, whether it's sentient or not, and, well, we take care of it. I just don't want to go swimming. It's a little damp. Yet you really wanted to fight the Octoshark last time. Yes. Multiple limbs. Many things to dodge. Many things to fight. Well, after this, we can see what the local folklore is around. Any cryptid sightings of that sort. See if we can get any clue, or if it's just somebody who decided to pop in from another dimension. Does that mean I have to put on my coat again? I don't want them looking at me weird. Yes. Mm. As y'all are having this conversation in the background, Tempest, you show up. I assume you you grab a cup of tea, right? Yes, they are going to order, like, uh, every instinct says make them a hipster, but that's a Portland stereotype that I will not play into. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true of both Portland, Maine and Portland, Oregon? (laughs) Oh, yeah, Portland, Maine. I've got a cousin up there, actually, who's helping me with research, and the three things she told me about were coffee shops, natural foods, grocery stores, and hipsters. Sounds right. Yeah, I think you go up you go up to the counter and there is a young woman there who probably looks like she's working a summer job from high school or college. She goes, hi, welcome to the Flotsam and Jetsam. Would you like to try one of our amazing world famous maple donuts? No, thank you. What can I do you for then, friend? Um... They're going to order, like, a cup of whatever black tea they have, and I'm assuming they have some variety of, like, croissant contraption. (laughs) Croissant contraption. Look, I don't know the nicknames. This is the part where I work at a coffee shop. Oh, yeah, you're interested in our croissant contraption. That is also one of our very popular items. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we want one black tea and one double C, please. Thank you. Oh, no. <laughs> I, 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 you're really going to say something, and it's going to exist, it's, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's how it happens. This is the part where I explain that 
They just hand um, you a conveyor belt. It's not. It's not just like a croissant sandwich. There are different things you do with them. But uh, but I forgot the word. After you wait for your order, you get your black tea, you get your croissant contraption, which I think we'll just sort of leave ephemeral to the audience's imagination what that looks like. But it is it is powerful. That is for sure. So you grab your croissant contraption and your black tea, and you you sit down. It's relatively quiet outside the cafe. There's just uh, you, a couple of other folks, Cassandra and Dane, off in the corner, and then another young woman and one of the tables in a kind of a jean jacket, jean pants, sort of just chilling there. So I assume you're just, you're kind of chowing down on your um, croissant contraption. You do look over and you do see that one of the folks is really going to town on those maple donuts. You do actually overhear them talk about little bit about something you can't quite make out the words because they're talking but you do hear the word like monster and sailors and like a few little buzzwords which kind of prick your ears up they are very interested what i think they've done is they've like pulled out their laptop and started just typing away on whatever um current conditions temperature just to have that recorded early and the moment they overhear what's going on there they visibly perk up and start very obviously eavesdropping. What do they see when they see Tempest? Besides the obvious fact that they're eavesdropping? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to decide. if they, This is a working day for them, so they're probably just wearing, you know, pants and some kind of university t-shirts that they can get dirty. And the typical rubber boots of any field biologist. They have their hair pulled sort of to one side out of the way. And they are just sitting there, typing away, very obviously not looking at them. They're not a very subtle person, is Tempest. Yeah, so I think the other two of you noticed that this individual with a big shirt that says PSO across the front of it, and the O Mm -hmm. is like a little life preserver. (laughs) For Portland, what is it, Portland State? I think it was School of Oceanography. Which I then realized was my own university's grad school name, basically, because I'm not original. That's okay. But y'all see this uh, individual very clearly taking notes on what y'all are saying and eavesdropping. What do you do? Um, Dana look over at Cassandra, take another bite, and with mouth full of donut, and go, you want me to eat them? Get ready to make a new character, <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> well, Dave was saying that. Well, Dave was saying that Cassandra was taking a sip of their tea and just like almost spits it out. That's a new record for how fast you've offered that. Anyways, no, I think, I think they just might be one of those like cryptid lovers. You know, Th- they seem to kind of come to these sorry the towns. I guess I should keep low profile then. Yeah, you should probably put the coat on. Dane will go and pick up a very large puffer coat and just put the hood on and just so that the arms don't have to go through the sleeves and they can still munch on their stuff and just kind of like hiding. And it doesn't even rest all the way on their head because their hair is just so crazy and puffy. It just kind of rests on that. And every once in a while, they'll like peek over their shoulder and look at Tempest. And then go back to eating. <laughs> At this, like, Cassandra kind of just leans over, takes another sip of their tea, and it's like, 
Can we help you? They take a moment to consider their options and the fact that this is supposed to be a nice little scientific expedition where they can get back on track. And maybe they shouldn't throw that that new chance away so quickly. And as soon as they think that, they go, well, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. They go, um, what did you mean sailors disappearing? As as it, as we said, there are, there are sailors disappearing. We don't know what. I just have a feeling. Whether you believe me or not, eh. We'll take care of this on our own. But you said before we before I say anything, can we just assume that you've already said that I'm crazy and um, just move past that? Um, you said monster. Yes. You could find one. Yes. How? Cassandra looks today and just kind of gives that look. It's like, should we, should we just keep, should we keep telling them? Dane kind of leans in and is like, I think you're right. I think they are a lover of cryptids. They look offended. Like, that's not what I do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Dane, do you think we should keep this one or let them tag along? Or are they going to be a liability like the last one? If it's an issue, I can always take care of it. Dane, remember what they said. Try not to eat people. Sorry? I mean, dissuade them from pursuing further questions. That is what the police officer told me one time. Right. Basically, what it means is, is that if you be if you uh, get in our way, you uh, you have to be persuaded. You don't like my methods of persuasion. Look, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but if you can find one of these things and pro- properly document it, I want in. Oh no. Dane, at hearing the, oh, I want to join in, they scarf down a donut, uh, slowly kind of like step around, still crouched, and they finally stand at full height, that they're full like 6'6", and like stacked build. And they, and they look down at uh, Tempest. We warned you. Welcome along. So where then, you know, I, I like the idea that maybe y'all are, you've all finished your donuts or your croissant contraptions. And where are the three of you going to be heading then if Tempest is going to tag along with you? Um, oh, also, what was it? Since Tempest did description of our characters. Yeah, that's true. Y'all should probably, um, while you're staring down at them, what does Tempest see when they look up at you? Yeah. As Tempest is looking up at Dane, you see this large, bright orange puffer coat resting on their rich auburn hair that's barely restrained by a bright pink headband. 
and underneath the puffer coat they wear this sleeveless shirt really archaic like they was stolen out of a costume shop and some tight fitting khakis some nice durable combat boots and this large beast of a man looking down looking uh very very sinister looking and feeling and in stark contrast today you have this four foot eight person standing right next to them with brown hair and brown skin and brown eyes wearing a pastel getup of a long sleeve turtleneck neck knit shirt a sleeveless dress with a zipper on the front also secured with a belt around the waist some thick white stockings some pastel pink short heels and a tan messenger bag you are just dressed to the nines. <laughs> they also have a <laughs> pair of large pink cat eyeglasses. Oh, that's good. It's very choice. But the most notable feature on them is actually the amount of colorful bandages that they have on their skin. Tempest is jealous of their look. They are dressed for work today. The only fun part of their appearance is probably some like large, I think it was octopus or jellyfish themed earrings. But they yes. are like, that is choice. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, where is the group headed then, the three of you? I, I know Dane would probably just go and find the people who would have the most information, like people who, you know, maybe related to those who disappeared or maybe people who live, like, really close to the water since that's where they've been disappearing. That's probably where Dane would go. So, The best place to probably do that then would be somewhere around the... The docks, probably just talk to folks around there. Oh, what about the other two of you? Do you want to go with them? Heading to the docks? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we cut to the fourth and final member of our party. Ashton, where do we find you actually starting off? I'll leave that a little open. So Ashton himself, he's in the woods and he is currently... <laughs> He's near his little house, I guess that's what you could call it, the abandoned shack that he has been staying at for a little while. And he's currently on his front porch, mess or on the front porch, not his front porch, messing with a slew of different maps of the town. And just like every now and then like he'll go he'll point to a certain location and like mutter to himself and they'll just go like and then push it away. And, you know, he's just going through all of this stuff. He's, he's having an interesting time. All right. What are you trying to locate? And maybe where do you end up deciding that you should head? So he's looking for a Waffle House that he heard was in the area. <laughs> uh, but, like, looking at the... Don't keep bringing it back to food all the time. It's because we're recording this at dinner time. It's hung- I'm hungry. I am kind I'm of hungry, hungry, Dana. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. But he's he's trying to find this one Waffle House that he heard was supposed to be built in the area. He knows that there's a town nearby, but he's always had trouble with just being around people. So he, he's not 100%, so he's trying to figure out where it is so that he can go into the town, go get his waffles, and leave. And so, like, he's just searching through all these, like, maps that were left behind in the shack 
like it's just schematics of the town and stuff and he's just going through it trying to find out where this waffle house is located eventually he will find it on like one that was like at the very bottom very roughed up and like multiple red marker notes are written upon it very crudely then he just goes and sees that and he just kind of jumps up in the air and he goes fuck yes and runs inside grabs a messenger leather bag and his coat and goes towards the town we can decide where on the map your little shack is located but I think for the sake of this bit the drive is going to take you on one of the uh, coastal roads. Right. So you're driving up, you can see the beach. Something catches the corner of your eye lying on the beach as you drive past. Oh, yeah, he'll totally stop. He knows when he sees something weird to stop. So he'll pull over in his 1984 Camaro. And <laughs> I don't know cars. You really thought about this. So 1984 Camaro, That's what he right. has, and it's red. Uh-huh. Of course it's red. <laughs> of course it's red. <laughs> <laughs> has to be rad. So you stop. Yeah. You get out. Yep. He gets out and he's already walking over to see what the heck this thing is. Okay. Um, this is actually a good question for Daisy. Off the coast of Massachusetts, would they have octopuses or squids or either yes. or both or neither? Um, several species. Not too big. No, you're not going to get like a giant Pacific, but octopus vulgaris, oh, Eris, which is the common octopus, I believe is the common name, is um, around here. Yeah. Okay, so you actually see, I know I'm going to slightly correct something that, not correct, but I guess adjust for the sake of the story. I'm sure Daisy's mm-hmm. correct in what species of octopus are there. This octopus, it's, um, it is larger. You're not able to get a good look at it because you're not close enough yet, but it looks to be large and it's just lying on the beach. He'll slightly tap it with his foot on the side. Just like nudge it a bit, okay. see if it's dead. It doesn't respond. And octopuses don't typically live on land, so... He will grab it with one hand and lift it if he can. You can't. I'm going to say that it's it probably at least as big as you are. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's, then pretty, he'll, it's pretty big he'll, boy. Uh, he'll leave it there then. <laughs> you didn't need to ask me about that. That doesn't exist. That's your universe. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 1984 Camaro is actually a tank. Uh, so he's not driving a tank down the road. I'll figure <laughs> out something. It's basically a red hot rod, though, is what he's driving. Very beat up. I think this would count as the first role we're going to do, which is an investigate a mystery because you're going to try to figure out what's up with this thing. Yeah, he's he's kind of confused as to why such a big squid is here. Yeah. So I will roll. I'm actually going to say it's a squid, not an octopus. That actually fits Four, a little bit more. Ten. And those do exist. What am I adding to this? You're going to add your sharp. All right, so that's an 11. That's pretty good. You get to ask, I believe it's two questions from the list. Do you have a list in front of you or should I? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'll read them off since it'll be good for the audience to know them too. But the questions that you can ask are, what happened here? What sort of creature is it? Mm -hmm. What can it do? What can hurt it? Where did it go? What was it going to do? Or what is being concealed here? All right, so first question that he's going to ask to, or he's going to want to know is... uh, Ask God. Yeah, you know, commune with (laughs) Jesus himself or something. I don't know. How this is now a story about salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how really the devil is the greatest monster of all. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no. No. Oh, my God. So, I will end this call. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to want to know how it died. 
Um, what happened here? Yeah, what happened here? Yeah, I think you notice a few things about it. Remind me, Daisy, if something gets pulled out of high pressure and it's in a low pressure environment, like if you put up like a more deeper sea creature, it would expand. Is that right? Um, or would it depress? I forget. Blobfish. I think it expands. The only thing samples I've seen taken from deep sea is a um, is like sediment samples. Oh, the audience doesn't know this. I'm a marine biologist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll this- probably have that in the intro. <laughs> yes. That might be relevant. Otherwise, it's going to look weird while I'm asking them over and over like, yes. hey, random person, sea advice. <laughs> I, am, I do work in marine biology, kind of, in this region of these waters. So this, yeah. this is why. Anyway. Yeah. Basically, what I want to say is that it looks warped and it does look probably larger than squid are used to kind of more on the shore or more in the shallower waters. And then in terms of what happened, it looks almost like it's been sort of half chewed up and digested a little bit and spit out. Like parts of it are kind of cut and slashed mm-hmm. and kind of digested. It, parts of it are a little bit less touched, but it's it's a pretty icky. You think maybe it doesn't look like... Some of the decay on it doesn't look like it's purely just natural decay with time. It looks like something that's almost half eaten it and then spit it back out. He'll like kick it one more time and go, that's fucking gross. Mm. What is the second question you would like to figure out? Um, could I tell what killed it? Or like what could kill it? What can hurt it? Maybe like what could have killed it? Yeah, what could have killed this thing? I think what I can give you from the limited information you could gather here mm-hmm. is that anything that could swallow an entire squid like that and have to adjust it and spit it out would have to be pretty large itself. And I think you don't know of anything sort of naturally indigenous that would just swallow an entire squid mm-hmm. and spit it out. Uh, certainly not anything, not easily of anything of this size. So it's got to be something big in the water. Better not be a rainbow kraken. I hate rainbow krakens. <laughs> are you are you the crocodile hunter now? <laughs> this, that's, this is the voice that I settled on, and it's for a lot of reasons. I like it. Yeah, so you you now know, okay, there's, there's big, big old monster. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, he will uh, take out a large knife. And he will cut a little piece of the octopus off. Okay. And he will put it in his pocket and walk back to his car and drive off. Oh, All right, so you drive off. I assume you head to the, the Waffle House. Yeah, he knows right? where the Waffle House is, relatively. You know where the Waffle House is. I won't make us play an entire Waffle House scene out unless <sighs> that's really essential to you. If you really want that, I can do a Waffle House scene for you. Nah. Nah. <laughs> That's for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's like the side. There's a whole side like sitcom of what goes on in the Waffle House. Ashton goes to a Waffle House ASMR <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> That'll be an exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you grab your waffles or whatever. Are, are you just like eating them? While, where, where do you head next? I guess is what I want to know. Once you've grabbed your waffles, what is your next course of action? Wait, hold on, hold on. Okay. I need to figure out something. This is important. This is integral to the interval, that word to the plot. (laughs) Interval. Yeah. (laughs) This is interval to the proceedings. (laughs) Where do you, where can you get a Grand Slam? 
Oh, that's at Denny's. That's at Denny's. Denny's? You want it? All right, yeah. He's going to Denny's. I take it back. <laughs> yeah, and he has a grand slam. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. It can be a Denny's. It was an interval go, but we stuck on croissant contraption. <laughs> You're chowing down on your Denny's Grand Slam. Uh, man, this is a very... We might need to think about like recording time simply because it's so food-focused. I really can tell everyone's got food on the brain. Are you hungry yet, guys? Are you, are you feeling it? <laughs> I'm good. No, I ate before, so... This episode brought to you by Denny's. We're not sponsored by them. <laughs> Though we wish we were. Sponsor us. <laughs> Call us. Yeah, we have to make sure we don't uh, get stricken down so it's Danny's. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's Danny's. Danny's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Warful Horse. And you have a, you have a, a home run. <laughs> yeah, let's go with the home. Yep. <laughs> that has other connotations. And I'm like, we've been doing Denny's. food for 40 minutes. I know, it's impressive. I love it. Hopefully it'll pare down to less than 40 minutes by the time I edit it, because I'm not sure anyone wants to listen to 40 minutes of food. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on when you play it. Maybe that's our niche market we're oh, going yeah. to. Food hunters. <laughs> so once you finished your food, where are you headed? He's not going to drive away immediately. Once he's gotten his food, he's going to, you know, the way you can sit on the hood of your car. He, he does that for a bit, and he just, like, is holding his... His food and, and like the container right in front of him, and he's just like scorching it down, sitting on the hood of his car with an octopus in his pocket. Yeah, with an octopus in his pocket, slice of octopus. All right. So you you chow down, chow down on your food. You're sitting on the hood of your car. Since we are doing descriptions of everyone, what does uh, Ashton look like? So Ashton himself is the best way to describe Ashton in one word is very. Raggedy. He has a black button-up shirt that's tucked in somewhat into like into his jeans, but he also has a red tie and all of that. Uh, but over that, he has a large trench coat, very tan, very beat up. Looks like it's been had everything done to it, like burnt, cut, shot. Just about anything. He has blonde hair that's getting a bit long, but not too long. Like, he's had it cut about a couple of months ago. Yeah, a little shaggy. And he has a few earrings that are uh, adorned both sides of his head. And he has purple eyes. Oh, he is a protagonist. Oh. Um, yeah, you have the protagonist eyes. I have the protagonist eyes, yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting there munching down on your home run. I think you're probably pretty focused on your your delicious mix of eggs and meat. Dude, he's going to town. He's going to town on it. Going to town. <laughs> you feel someone just like sort of gently, but a little bit uh, firmly sort of tap your leg with their foot. And you look up and there's a man standing there. Uh, hey there. I, uh, I don't think I've seen you around before. You uh, new in town? He doesn't say anything. He just like jumps back, almost drops his food. But like, like he does like that dip with your left hand where you like, if you accidentally like the whiff, the weight shifts, he almost drops it and he looks back and he looks at his food and he looks at his car. And then he just slowly turns his head back to the guy as he's talking. <laughs> oh, I, uh, sorry there. I didn't uh, mean to make you almost drop your food. Uh, yeah, I was just, I was, I was, you, uh, you, I don't think I've seen your face before. You uh, new in town? Shakes his head. No. Oh, that's, 
I don't know, that's weird, because I ain't ever seen you before, so, I mean, it seems like you must be new in town. He shrugs. Yeah, I think you kind of notice at this point, if you haven't already picked up on it already, he has a look of very much ill intent in his eyes. Oh, well, I... I mean, you know, you come some kind of like quiet guy there, huh? You don't talk too much about anything, do you? Shrugs again. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it just, you know, since uh, since apparently you've been around here much, but I ain't seen you, I just figured maybe we could uh, get to know each other, you know? I find nothing about you interesting, so no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love. I love. He jumps up. Are you on the hood of your car? He was leaning, but now he's like standing away from it because he had jumped back. Oh, I was like, well, you know, maybe we don't, uh, we don't got to talk too much about me. Then he sort of leans up on your car very much in a way that someone who does not own your car should not do that. He grabs his hand and pulls it off and he goes, don't touch it. I think that's a manipulate someone role because you're not trying to beat him up, right? You're just trying to get him to stop. No, just like pull his hand away from it or like just bat it away. Okay. Doesn't want him touching his car. Go ahead and roll plus charm. Shit. <laughs> oh. Uh, so that's nine minus eight, or no, minus one. <laughs> minus eight would be a very harsh penalty. <laughs> so. Minus one, so that's a seven. Yeah. That's on a manipulate someone on a seven to nine. They'll do it, but only if you do something for them or to them, <laughs> possibly, right now to show that you mean it. What do you do to really make it clear that you, you should not? He drops his food. Oh. He drops his food on the ground. <gasps> okay. No. The food. <laughs> Everyone no. is so food obsessed. It was like six bucks. Come on. Next time um, we schedule after dinner. Y'all can have dinner while we play. I'm not like forbidding you from it. I have to cook. I'm actually not even that hungry. So honestly. No, just make sure to eat before because I get lunch before we record. I just love food all the time. Yeah, when you drop that, uh, he sort of backs up, like, oh, uh, hey, buddy, no, uh, no big deal. Like, you know, I just figured we might get to know each other. And then uh, one of his buddies actually comes over and says, dude, just. Uh, oh, God, he has friends. Well, actually, his buddy, I think you're first like, oh, am I going to have to fight multiple people? But then his buddy's like, uh, come on, man, just leave the, leave the guy alone. There's no reason to get, uh, get, get physical or anything. Sorry about my friend. He's just uh, having a bit of a bad day. One of his uh, buddies is. You know, one of his buddies like gone on some drunken bend or whatever and got uh like crashed his boat or something. He nods. All right. Um. So none of this none of this warrants your further investigation. You're just kind of still. You've dropped your food now, though. He will walk over to the f- dropped food. Don't you dare. Try to salvage as much as he can. Any that's like not on the pavement, he will like scoop it up in back into like the plastic container. And like, he'll just close it uh, and I'll take out a little Sharpie and write for later on it. You do that. And as the other group of guys is heading away, the one who originally talked, he's like, oh, well, uh, maybe we'll see each other again. Then you can, uh, maybe I'll be a little bit more interested uh, next time. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> Once you finished your food, where are you headed? Like, what is, what is your goal for the day? Shit. What is his goal? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the question we ask ourselves every day, right? <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing here? <laughs> Why are you here? What are you investigating? Well, he had heard of the whole ordeal with people going missing. He knew that 
his mother had a safe shack out there. It's not as nice as a safe house. It's like smaller than a safe house. Why would your mom have a safe house here? Like, what is your relationship? His mom taught him everything he knows. She herself was a highly acclaimed, best-in-the-business monster hunter. Would kill anything for a pretty price. His mom was a badass. And, you know, she had to go where she was needed. And so she would always make sure to have a place to stay no matter where she was. Is she still alive? He doesn't know. Okay, okay, that's perfectly fine and open-ended. I just wanted to check. If Ashton arrives in a place and, you know, is trying to investigate, after he's gotten his home run from Danny's, he's fueled up, he's ready to go, breakfast of champions, where, what would be his next, like, immediate course of action? Like, he hits the ground somewhere, what does he do? So, he knows that it's something to do with the water, Mm -hmm. uh, something to do with all the sailors, so... He will actually be walking down to the... If it's not too far away, he will walk. But if it is, like, more than, like, a mile or so, he'll drive his car over there and, like, find a good parking spot. There are no good parking spots at summer in New England. (laughs) I'm going to say that you walk over then. It's, like, about a a mile walk. It's about as long as you'd be willing to, but you, you get over there. Okay. Hello, everyone. It is your DM, Dana, here with a quick mid break. Nothing super fancy or any ads. I just wanted to say that we're very happy you're listening to our first episode. We've put a fair amount of work into it and hopefully that shows. I also wanted to give a quick thank you to a couple of folks who have been very kind and supportive of us early on. First and foremost is Pacific Obadiah from Midnight Disease Productions, who among other things runs the show SCP Archives and Margaret's Garden the latter of which you can actually find yours truly as one of the cast members on. And they've been really, really kind in giving us feedback on our first couple episodes and also just helping us manage a lot of the logistics of starting a podcast. So big thanks to them. Please show them some support, show their shows some support. And also a big thanks to Kayshawn from the SCP Play podcast, which is another actual play podcast that utilizes the Monster of the Week system. They also have given us some really kind and supportive feedback, and they've also given us a couple shout-outs on Twitter, so we're very thankful for that. Also, show them and their podcast some love. And lastly, a big thanks to you for tuning in and giving us a listen. We really, really appreciate the support. Please follow us on Twitter, at MeddlingPod, and tweet at us with the hashtag MeddlingPod, and who knows, maybe we will use your name for an upcoming NPC or something along those lines. Anyways, with that done, I will get back to the show now. Our next episode will be on Tuesday, January 19th. So we'll see you then. Thanks. Bye. All right, so we cut back to the other three of you, and you've just arrived at the docks. You see some, you know, fishing boats in ports. You see some folks getting ready to kind of head out. You know, typical sort of seaside dock activities. What is y'all's first course of action? Oh, right. Um, and then Cassandra turns to Tempest, holds out a hand. Cassandra Gomez. They take it and shake. Hi, Tempest Harker. So what do you guys do, actually? I love that you waited until you've actually, like, walked over to the docks. It's <laughs> yeah. like you're so caught up in the moment. That's great. Of course. <laughs> yeah. 
walk around with absolute yeah. strangers. Right. <laughs> Dan Dan looks to Cassandra and is like waiting for that seal of approval. Cassandra just nods. We fight things. Monstrous things. Like the devil. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I have um, some literature here that you might be interested. Hey, voice from the heavens, shut up. <laughs> I don't have time for you right now. Anyway, they look a little disappointed, but not necessarily surprised. And then Cassandra just looks at Dane and it's like, oh, okay, okay, we have another one that doesn't believe us. Okay, that's fine. No, they're just what I told you. They love the cryptids. I don't, that's not. <sighs> they take a deep breath and they go, look, I just want to be able to find proof that something like this exists. And if you need to kill it to do that, that's fine. I guess, whatever. Listen, listen, Tempest. We take these sort of things seriously around here. We're not just, you know, cryptid hunters. You're talking about, you know, finding things, the the supernatural, you know, stuff outside the natural. I'm not supernatural, necessarily. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean ghosts. It doesn't, you know, cryptids and stuff included in that other types of like creatures but anyways din and i have been at this for what like nine ten years mm, i've been at it much longer than that but yes well yeah you've been long you've been at it longer but the, the both of us as a team have been at it for a, quite a while so what i'm saying is that if you're not going to take this seriously or if you're just going to, you know, think of us as some sort of crazy people, that's totally fine. You still want to stick by, that's fine. Just don't get in our way. They look a little amused when they say crazy people. No, look, this is your gig. You lead. Just, I don't know. Like to not be insane. That would be great. Why do they think you're insane? Because I saw something that they, they don't believe exists. And? And when people see things that aren't real, they're crazy. Most of the time. And what makes you think it isn't real? I don't think it isn't real. Everyone else does. Welcome to the club. And then we just need to find something, right? That's the plan. Dane will turn to Cassandra. Your feeling is on the mark this time, right? Is Cassandra feeling any hunches? Yeah, oh, this is great. Do you have a move for this? Uh, hunches. When something bad is happening or just about to happen somewhere that you aren't, roll a plus sharp. So that's what it is. Okay. Go ahead and roll plus sharp then. Let's see. That's... Twelve. Yeah, that's pretty good. What happens on a twelve? On a ten plus? On a ten plus, you knew where you needed to go just in time to get there. Okay. You hear a commotion on the beach, and you know someone is about to do something that they should not do that will get them very hurt, and you should probably get over there to stop them. 
You said on the beach? Yep. Dang, let's go. Wait, where are we going? Cassandra's like pointing over there. I know how small Cassandra is compared to Dane. How small is Tempest compared to Dane? They are 5'8", and they are muscled in the way that someone who carries heavy equipment is muscled, but they are not, like, ripped ripped. Okay. Cool. You mean how far we have to go to the beach? Less than 100 yards. Oh, less than 100 yards? Yes. Okay. Dane will sprint. (laughs) Full on, like, sprint. Where are you going? Heading towards the problem. I love the audience can't see this because they can't see anything, but I do love Clyde's chuck-a-chuck-a-chuck movement of the arms. Right. I love that non-existent ephemeral Foley work that you're doing to get yourself (laughs) into the mood. Cassandra, are you following after Dane? Yeah, not in a sprint uh, because as as Tempest would know this, Cassandra looks exhausted all the time. So Tempest, you're just sort of left alone on the docks there for a beat as both of them just bolts off to the mm-hmm. beach. Yeah. They will go, who the hell are these people? And then follow. <laughs> oh. Dane, you're the first to get there. And you actually see a site somewhat similar to what Ashton saw earlier, except this time, uh, Daisy, give me a large sea animal that could end up washing up on the shore if it was killed. Seal. A seal. Okay, you see a, a seal lying on the ground and it looks kind of uh, that same sort of dead, digested, decomposed thing. And there's a man there, like some folks investigate it, and there's a man going up there to kind of poke at it or look at it. Dane will go and interpose himself between the man and the seal. Okay. I want you to roll defend because you're trying to protect someone from something. And I'm going to give you an extra plus one because of the hunch roll from earlier. That is an eight plus one. That's a nine. Okay. On a seven, you protect them okay, but you'll suffer some or all of the harm they were going to get. You get in the way, Dane, just in time for part of this digested creature to just kind of pop and a bunch of acidic like juices just sort of spill all over you and you're going to take two harm from that. Okay. The bystander is left completely fine. You take the entire brunt of this and just step in the way, like literally at the last possible moment to do it. And then you're just sitting there covered in this acid. It doesn't burn too super dramatically, but it does sting all over. There's no reaction on Dane's face except for disdain. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, oh God, no. <laughs> no. Oh. Actually, that's just, that's just what we're going to call it when someone insults you is it's disdain. <laughs> too late to quit. Yes, sorry, you're stuck with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little too late now. But... Dane will look down at the person and growl. They back away in absolute, like, terror. Like, the whole situation has absolutely shaken them. Sorry, I just wanted to, like, see what was going on with it. If you don't know what you're doing, you should stay away. They look like they probably just pissed themselves. (laughs) (laughs) So Tempest and Cassandra, y'all show up kind of in time to watch this happen from a little bit of a distance. Ashton, you are kind of pulling up to the docks when you hear this commotion and you watch a six foot six man get splattered in seal acid juice of some kind. Yeah, I mean, Ashton, he's he's confused and in his head he's like, he should have, he should not have just stood there. 
after getting hit with that much acid. <laughs> First, he's going to walk down to the area that this dead seal that is now exploded is at, and he is going to walk up to this stranger, this very tall, kind of scary-looking stranger, and he's just going to like look him up and down, look at his back where the acid hit. He's going to look up at him and he's going to go, that was impressive. I suppose. What are you? That's a good question. Dane will take this moment to remove the puffer jacket and look at the damage. How damaged is the puffer jacket? I imagine that a puffer jacket wouldn't do necessarily great. Again, like it's not like a lab acidic proof coat. Yeah, right. You probably at some point might want to invest in a new puffer jacket. Dane will just toss the jacket aside, and then you see he's standing out there on the beach in this sleeveless um, shirt. This is your DM interlude to say that littering is not cool. Please do not follow Dane's example. <laughs> do not throw yeah. acid burning you jackets. Had, you had me by Tempest 10 seconds going, pick that up. <laughs> the turtles. <laughs> yeah, you see their arms are littered with scars, and you see it like on their neck and parts of the chest that you can see. Can I make a roll to see if Ashton has seen someone like Dane before? Or at least maybe read something about someone like him? Do you, you have the professional, right? Is there a move that's based off of that? Anything like that? I mean, he has good intel. Uh, What is that? Is that part of your like tags? That's like resources that I have. Okay, I guess this is a fair point. Have you seen anything like Dane before? I don't know, have you? I guess, you know, let's think vaguely here what you understand about Dane. They have scars, you can see those. Um, They seem to not be bothered by acidic damage. He, for the moment that he looks at Dane, he thinks he remembers something, reading something about some kind of weird scar creature that literally was... A mass. Run of away, giant. Simba. Run away <laughs> and never come back. Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, a weird scar creature. I'm sorry, I have to do that. On today's episode of How Many Copyright Claims yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Fine. I hope y'all weren't intending to make any money off of this. Yeah. <laughs> right. He thinks of this one creature he read about that was made, comprised of only scar tissue. Mm. And then he goes, no, you're not ugly enough to be one of those. And then he like walks past him and like starts, crouches down and looks at the dead seal. Have we reached them by this point? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so when Ashton's crouching, Cassandra's like, don't touch it. He touches it. Uh, I don't. Oh, this isn't me being a dick, by the way. This is just him having terrible people skills. Oh, no, no. Yeah, we understand. <laughs> you touch it, and it explodes a little bit, and you take one harm on your hand. Shit. <laughs> okay, yeah. no, no, no. You can't just disregard things and expect no consequences. <sighs> one harm. No fun. <laughs> um, there's something I do want to do. Tempest is familiar with A, the seals of these waters, and B, the fact that there is nothing around here that can do this. So they go over to take a look. They do not touch it because they're a sensible person who has seen this go badly before. 
And I don't, there's nothing in these waters big enough to just swallow it like that. I, nothing that I've heard of that could just swallow a seal without leaving bite marks or anything. I'm question. Are there visible bites? There are, but they don't seem like if they are teeth, they're very big teeth. Yeah. Like it's very clearly not a white shark, which is the only thing they could think of big enough to yeah. swallow a yeah. seal no, in, this, in this region. It's the, it doesn't, that's not, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. I could think of plenty of things that could have eaten this. Like what exactly? He like mutters under his breath because he wasn't expecting someone to actually like acknowledge him again. So he just like says something rainbow and then like his he his voice becomes like intelligible as he just like mutters to himself. Yeah, just Yeah, that's what I thought. Dane will go over to Cassandra and kind of gesture to the seal. Well, it has a bite mark. Do you want to compare it to the, to the teeth you have? Mm. He flashes a grin and like shows Cassandra. I don't think they're no. big enough. <laughs> that was good. No. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny, Dane. That's funny. No, I meant your collection. Yeah, I don't think it. I literally do not think they're big enough. Not like no. that. Mm, okay. I will say at this point, y'all have noticed that a decent sized crowd is kind of starting to also collect around the seal. Oh, um, if there's a crowd, Ashton is going to start sweating a little bit as he like view flickers from like left to right to the corners of his vision where he can see people. He was not expecting this many people. Cassandra leans over to Tempest and was like, hey, you're, you're, you said you're like a scientist, right? I'm assuming you're a marine biologist considering how you can identify the seal. Correct. Follow my lead. All right. Hey, everybody, it's all right. Uh, we have, we have a marine biologist here to investigate the ongoing so what's going on with this seal everything is fine we just need room for uh my friend here to work roll manipulate someone that is charm that is charm technically everything they're saying is true (laughs) yes (laughs) manipulate doesn't have to mean lie Mm -hmm. that is a six oh okay there's two options here to get you out of this mm-hmm. if you want to avoid the six. One, since it's a six, it's one away from a seven. Someone, which probably the most person to make some sense uh, would be Tempest, can roll to help out. Alternatively, you can spend a point of your luck, of which you have seven, to upgrade this automatically to a 12. You only get seven for the whole thing, though. Flush like your marine biologist badge like a cop. <laughs> I am willing to do that if you desire it. This is a you call. Yeah, Cassandra's just kind of like looking at Tempest. It's like, Fuck. You can tell the people aren't convinced by just you saying this. Follow my lead. Yeah, so I'm going to roll. What, uh, okay, two, but first two sixes? I've... Yeah. No, so this is actually an important thing to establish. I don't want you to roll first. I want you to tell me what you're doing first, and then you roll. Okay. So I think they set down their bag. They're, they sort of straighten their shoulders to have a more professional look. And uh, because this was a work day for them, they have their equipment. They do not have seal equipment, but they <laughs> have 
scientific instruments for measuring the salinity of water, just taking water samples mostly, that kind of thing. But they can pretend like they're doing some investigations with that as well as a notebook. Absolutely. So they pull all that stuff out and they take a a probe that was probably for measuring like nitrates in the water, whisper a quiet apology to their advisor who gave them their equipment and they stick it like into the side of the seal so that it looks like it's measuring it, which is definitely going to destroy that thing. And it's going to like melt. Yeah. Nice. You're going to roll 2d6 plus cool, which I think is very good because you're trying to keep your cool mm-hmm. and appear professional. I have a minus one to cool, but I rolled a 10, so that's a nine. Nice. On a seven to nine, your help grants them plus one to their roll, but you also expose yourself to trouble or danger. I think you're trying to look really official mm-hmm. and you sort of stick the pipette and you're looking up at everyone and your hand starts to burn a little bit and you realize that the digestive juices on this thing are similar. You're going to take another one harm just like Ashton did. Oh, God damn it. So I think you kind of stick it in there like, absolutely, everything oh, is shit. under control. And so I think on a seven to nine, they'll do it, but only if you show them you really mean it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, like, um, where, are you a, where are you a scientist from? Um, Portland. Oh, what, what part of Portland? Does it matter? I got a cousin up from Portland. <laughs> How is it? God, the people here are too happy. <laughs> it's lovely. It's great. Oh, great. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you got everything under under control and whatnot. Is this the um, same guy from earlier who, like, was bothering action? You know, here's the thing. Okay, this is, the, this is an important thing. I have this problem. Oh, you there's another campaign that I run that's set in the South, and it does get really hard to distinguish everyone oh, yeah. when you have to use the same accent yeah, for oh, yeah. everybody. Oh, yeah. So there's just going to be a lot of kind of random folk. It's a small town. They're brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're all related. This <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> is an in's mouth situation. It's fine. They start to kind of like peel off a little bit. I think there's probably still a few folks that are uh, looking. And one of the last ones to kind of leave, I think Tempest, you're probably the main one to recognize them. It's that same girl from the coffee shop earlier in the the black jeans and the jean jacket. And she mm-hmm. kind of like looks y'all over for a second and then just sort of sort of peels off with the crowd. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, they look down, they pull the instrument out and like hastily roll it in the sand just to try and get the worst of it off. It's pretty worn. Oh God, I'm, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pay for that. Cassandra looks to Ashton. It's just like the same old tired look in, in their eyes. Be like, so who are you? He doesn't look at her and said, you know, he's sucking on his finger that he touched it with because like that freaking hurt. So like he just goes, the professional. Cassandra goes into their messenger bag and pulls out like a little first aid kit, opens it up, takes out a bandaid and hands it over to Ashton. Uh, It's uh, very important uh, what design is on the bandage. (laughs) It is pastel blue. He'll uh, he'll put it on his finger, wrap it around. He'll, He'll just like look over and just like, as he's wrapping it and nervously look over at her and then back at the finger. And then he'll like stand up and he will ruffle around in his pockets. A few things will fall out. A keychain that looks like an eyeball, a pencil that's been heavily chewed on. And then he'll pull out this slice of octopus from earlier 
and he will take out his knife from earlier as well, and he'll see if he can cut off a piece of this uh, seal as well. Yeah, you, you do that with minimal trouble. They look up sharply at him. Hey, don't fuck with it. If anyone's going to touch it, it should be me. Yeah, we saw how well that went. How, how are you feeling, Dane? Is it still stinging? Mm, fine. It ruined my jacket. Oh, it ruined the jacket. Jack? They just do not like jackets. That's like the mm. fifth one this month, right? I think it's been the fifth one this week. Oof. Wow, you burn through jackets at an, at an extortionate rate. God. People are, wow. Okay. Bastion shakes his head. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Man's got to respect his jacket more than <laughs> Cassandra holds out their hand towards Ashton's like, I'm Cassandra Gomez. This is my partner, Dane. It was a title. Now it's a name. <laughs> partner or oh. Dane? <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, no, that was in character. <laughs> <laughs> Dane. Ashton will, after like having her extend her hand out to him, he uh, glances out of the corner of his eye again. He's still like sweating a bit. He's not very comfortable with a lot of people that he doesn't know and one very why. big one that could possibly snap him in half uh, <laughs> being near him. So, you know, he's he's still very uncomfortable, so he'll just uh, do that thing where, like, put the octopus slice back in his pocket, react to that as you will, and he will <laughs> grab, like, like this. I know that all of you that li are listening to this are very, un very confused. You see you basically, like, limply grab the tips of their fingers? Yeah, he'll grab the tips of her fingers and... He won't tell her name, his name, though. After that, Dana looked to both Tempest and the newcomer, Ashton, and very bluntly, do you want a sample? He nods. Dane will look to Cassandra. Do you have my sword? I'm, uh, you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's... Actually, how is the sword gonna... Because it's either gonna be on her back or it's going to be somehow in the messenger bag. Bag of holding. I don't know. Oh, it just pulls out of the messenger bag like nothing. Sure, yeah. Just <laughs> Is it like an extender sword? Like a collapsible sword? <laughs> no, it just pulls out, like, just whole sword. She whole has sword a bag of holding out. is the idea, mm -hmm. I'm guessing. It's literally a cutlass that's adorned with various teeth. <laughs> what was it? Also, Chris, even though Cassandra also uses she, they still very much prefer they. She's still okay, but they is the preferred one. Mm -hmm. You guys are all standing on the shore. I think Cassandra is literally starting to pull the sword out. When Tempest, from behind you, you hear a voice. It's like, oh, uh, Tempest, is that, uh, is that you there? Hey. And you turn. You turn to see a, a short, sort of frumpy man in one of those like little round mm -hmm. boat guys hats and these sort of bottle, um, mm -hmm. what is it, Coke bottle glasses? Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't expect you to get started so early on the. Oh, oh my goodness! What uh, what happened here? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Actually, um, I just happened by. 
Oh, are these, um, are these, uh, well, it seems like you're already, uh, blended in with the, the locals here. How, uh, who, who are these folks? Cassandra quickly puts the sword back. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and they, and, and, like, as, as Cassandra's putting the sword back, Dane just kind of reaches out with grabby hands, is like, no, no. <laughs> Gives him a look, it's like, just, just looks at him, and it's like, not now. Um, guys, this is Andy, Andy. And they gesture in case they don't want them to say their names. Andy extends his hand to you, Cassandra. He's taller than you because it's hard not to be, but yeah. still not by much. Right. And he says, hi there, uh, Andy Fjallman. Nice to, nice to meet you. Are you, uh, are you a friend here, uh, Tempest? You could say I'm an acquaintance. We, we've just started to get to know one another. And she reaches out and shakes Andy's hand. Oh, well, you know, it's always, whenever you get to a new place, it's always great to make new friends. I just, I just love, you know, whenever I travel somewhere, I just love getting to know everyone. It's because they're just, just, just nodding. They're just nodding. Like, you know, when you're just pretending to listen to someone. <laughs> I think he then extends his hand next to you, Ashton. Uh, yeah, he doesn't touch his hand. He just keeps going at what he's doing. He's trying to get a good piece of that, uh, seal. All right, a uh, man focused at his work. I can appreciate that. I think he looks up at you, Dane, and is like slightly intimidated from him. He's like, oh, well, you're, uh, you're, quite a, you're quite a big boy, aren't you? He's drifting between Minnesota and Kermit. He's going to settle somewhere <laughs> in between yeah, the two. Uh, we'll, we'll find Please say it's not easy being green. <laughs> yeah. Kermit cool. frog here. Um, Dane will just kind of give this Andy a look, kind of scowl, uh, because they are the reason that Dane does not have their sword with them. And will instead walk over to the seal, just reach out and grab a chunk with his bare hands. Don't I... And rip it free. Jesus. You take one harm for touching the seal again. Cool. Which is no harm for me. Oh, because you have armor, right? You have natural armor. Yeah. It stings a little bit, but it doesn't do any lasting damage. He's like, oh, um, you you really love to get, uh, get your hands in, involved. <laughs> Don't He kind of looks over nervously at you, Tempest, like, who are these people and why are you associating <laughs> with them? They, uh, <laughs> they give them like a little like quick, it's fine, smile, when it very clearly is and goes, here, have a look at this. I am not, I'm trying to identify what um, killed it, but it's not in my line. Roll investigate a mystery here and you can take a plus one because Andy is helping you. Mm-hmm. So that's sharp, is that? That is sharp, yes. Good. I'm a smart little critter. While they're doing that, Dane just walks over and hands the sample to uh, Ashton. Is it like big and meaty or is it like, like, is it like a handful of flesh from the seal? It's a, ha it's a handful of flesh or like the size of your head. I'm sorry, Anyways. you said a plus something for Andy helping me? Um, plus one because Andy's helping you. That brings it to a 10. I think this can be Andy answering, you know, these questions. Mm -hmm. Like what information are you trying to get out of the two of you looking at this? Mm -hmm. Well, clearly it was not killed by an animal that is native to these waters that Tempest is familiar with. And they are pretty sure that it was not killed by an animal native to these waters. Okay, so the questions I can ask, hmm, where did it go and what is being concealed here? Well, I mean, you're right. Anything that uh, that large is not going to be uh, easily found kind of anywhere in these waters. It must have been, I mean, God, it's, uh, 
maybe, I guess maybe a person did it or something, but that didn't make a ton of sense. I can't see anyone going to this length if it's nothing I've ever seen. I mean, I guess the only thing is maybe there's, he sort of laughs because um, I don't think he really believes this, but maybe there's something like a real big out there somewhere out in the, the deep and he sort of gestures out to the, um, to the ocean. And your other question was what is being concealed here? Like it is a little bit strange though. Like if it was, if it was like something trying to eat, it sort of, <laughs> it mean, it seemed to be able to kind of like do its, uh, take care of this thing pretty straightforward. And then it just kind of tossed it back up for some reason. That's a bit strange. Yeah, that doesn't follow. While they're doing this, uh, can Ashton find out anything new from this whole new creature that's been spit up and with the giant <sighs> meat? Yeah. I guess technically bleeding mound of flesh that that uh, Dane has just handed him. Yeah, um, I I'm not gonna make you have a role here. I'm probably just gonna kind of back up some things you've already found. Like it does. Um, I think from having maybe you didn't stick your hand in one earlier, um, but the acid like it seems like it was, this thing was being just to really hit this point home. Like it was being digested. Like it's it's like it's like something was in something's stomach, like half digested. Like it's been vomited out. Like if you ever vomit, you see like a little bit of food. That's it, it's gross, but that's mm-hmm. what this looks like. He'll uh, after while he's holding this, he'll go. Uh... Well, he's not holding it, actually. He'll pull out a, like, little thing from, like, his leather bag that he has. Uh, and it's, like, a large white towel and wrap the blood, bloody chunk with it. Uh, and put it off to the side. And he'll mutter something uh, to himself going, It's probably cracking again. Uh, while they're doing it, Dane will look to Cassandra... Is the spirit of the thing here? Thank you. That was trying to lead into that. <laughs> uh, upon that, Cassandra has this like far off look to them. They're not staring at the creature. They're more like staring out towards the leather. It's like, I think, I think we might be better off trying to see if the spirits of, of those who have been killed are still here. And upon that, like lifting up the turtleneck a bit reveals like, um, a choker that was hidden under it with a pe- with a pendant with a chartreuse gem in the middle and presses their fingers to it and they just go into this trance as they like walk around everybody and start heading closer to the water okay is this a move that you particularly have this is the site that is given to the spooky class. And with the sight, you can see the invisible, especially in spirits and magical influences. You may communicate with and maybe even make deals with the spirits you see. And they give you more opportunities to spot clues when you investigate a mystery. Okay, so this is gonna be investigate a mystery role then, and mm-hmm. you will have access to information no one else would have. All right, and then what? Oh, that's that plus be? sharp, unless the move modifies it in any way. No. That is 11. Man, y'all are having some good rolls today. Um, other than your attempt to convince everyone that Tempest was taking care of things. <laughs> I guess as some flavor here, when you normally do this, if you see spirits, what do they look like? 
it really depends on how strong their presence is. If they're really still determined to like stay in this material world due to you know whether or not wanting to leave or unfinished business, they're pretty sharp. So they still look like how they did before, but if their presence is faint, like their image is fainter usually, or you know you have like spirit orbs or stuff like that. As you look out over the ocean, you see several sort of spirit bodies hanging over there, like maybe a half a dozen-ish. They are all very fuzzy and faded as if they're not strongly there anymore. So you're able to see these figures. They're sort of floating out maybe 10, 20 yards out in the ocean. Yeah, uh, they will ask them questions. The first question would be, what sort of creature is it? And uh, Cassandra is asking these out loud. You don't get back a verbal response. I think they're too faded for that. This is almost just more like bits of, of sort of memory or something like left behind, but you get this image in your head where for a moment you are out on the ocean and the water is swirling around you and you look down into the center of a large whirlpool and you see a giant circular mouth. It's almost hard for you to encompass how large it is and then you plunge into it and everything goes dark. What do we see while she does this? That's kind of up to Cassandra. So what everybody else sees is that Cassandra going up to the water, and uh, especially once they spot the spirits, like starting to go like knee deep into the water, they just have this dazed look on their face, like they're in a trance. And you hear them speaking out these questions. What is the second question they hear you ask then? The second question is, uh, let's see, there's so many questions to ask. Um, so little time. I know, so little time. <laughs> um, how about, what can it do? Another image that you see as you are getting these flashes from these spirits is I, I think something about the memory places this context in before whatever the first scene was you saw and you just see a bright light under the ocean and when you see that light you feel compelled to follow it and as you look at it more and more it almost sort of unnaturally seems to take up more and more of your vision to where you can basically just only see the light and, and then you sort of snap back to your senses. Uh, Cassandra shakes her head and just like turns around, just walks out of the water like nothing happened. So, you find anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, I found out two things. So, I tried to ask what it is, and it showed me a giant creature with a mouth, a circular ring of teeth. The other thing is that it seems to attract um, its prey using uh, some sort of flight, like an anglerfish. You see, with as they're describing it, Dane, just like a grin grows on their face. Like, mm, yes, I see. I picture this sort of happening as a little bit of an aside between you two, and I think... Please, God, Andy's standing right there. <laughs> Andy's, Andy's standing kind of next to you, Tempest, 
sort of looked at Seneca, because I think Cassandra just walked out a little ways into the ocean, stood there, said some stuff to the air, and then walked back. <laughs> like, oh, so we're the, uh, normally do that. Not sure. They're religious. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, I understand. He does like a little Catholic, like, cross thing over his <laughs> Good to know we're still going with Catholicism for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, so, uh, I mean, you know, this is uh, this is certainly interesting and worthwhile. I'll get some, I'll talk to some folks about this, but we, uh, you know, we, we got some, we got some clam business. So, uh, you know, are you ready to look at, uh, we'll look at the research sites and get some clam action going on. He does like a little sort of like fist pump sort of in the air. Yeah. You know what? Um, they, their gaze lights upon their destroyed sensor and they're like, Actually, I think this is um, pretty busted up. I just have to go and grab my spare from my bag. Can you give me like a couple hours? Uh, I can meet you. Oh, um, well, yeah, sure. I, I uh, you know, we can't wait forever. Um, I was actually mm-hmm. going to take the, the the boat out tonight for some fishes. So you know, if you want to be part of that too, just uh, you know, feel free to join in that as well. But don't wait for too long. Yeah, that sounds great. Actually, Cassandra just like stops and like looks to Andy. It's like. I'd really advise you don't do that. Or maybe we should. Roll manipulate someone here to see if you can convince Andy this is a bad idea. And that's plus charm. Sorry. Yep. Can I convince him it's a good idea? <laughs> we could use a boat. We could. Cassandra, what did you roll for starters? Uh, ten. Do you want to try to beat that Dane to convince him the other way? Uh, yes, because it's in character. Make that risk. Okay. Damn it. That is a 10. Whoa. You both rolled a 10? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I'm like looking right. at the mic. Andy is conflicted. Each of you roll again, then I guess. Oh, man. I mean, you both make very compelling cases. I'm not really sure who you should believe here. 13. Damn, I can't beat it. <laughs> Double like, six. Hey, she's a strange one, but I mean, I guess... Uh, I can, I can, you know, we could hold off on the fishing trip. Just, uh, you know, meet me over in a couple hours. Um, I, you know, take, take care of your stuff. But we, I, you know, want to hit the uh, the ground uh, running. You know, there's a there's there's clams to look at. Uh huh. Clam science. Yep. I'll see you. Mm-hmm. I'll see you then. Yeah. Sounds sounds great. As, as they're leaving, like earshot, Dane just goes, "You can't run on water unless you're Jesus." <laughs> And what, you are correct, what does that have to do with anything? He said hit the ground running for clams. It's not, it's, it's, it's on the shoreline. Ashton is chuckling into himself as quietly as possible. (laughs) Like, he's like bouncing up and down as he like chuckles to himself. Yeah, Cassandra has like a small smile on their face. Look, and just whatever. Fuck. Dane will take a moment and tap on their chin. Um, Do either of you know when the last attack was? When the last person went missing? Would would I know? I've been in the area for a while. Yeah, I'm not going to make you even roll for that. I think you know the last person was probably last night. Okay. If uh, Ashton is in view of Dane, he'll just nod. He won't say anything. He'll just nod. Okay. Dane just kind of nodding back and then cocking his head. When was it? Yesterday. 
And the one before that? You can say the day before that, too. I think, I think there's maybe been, like, one a day, like, maybe spaced out a couple days or something. He'll just nod. He, he is, like, still, like, sweating a little bit. Uh, he's very intimidated by Dane. As everyone should be. He's intimidated by everyone, but more so Dane. <laughs> Do you know where the attack was? Hey, God. Where was the attack? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my child, let me tell you. Um, Returning the characters Catholic. A ray of light shines down on Ashton. (laughs) All you know probably at present, I don't know that you've actually, especially since you're intimidated by people, you probably haven't gone to ask enough folks to figure that out. You know, you know, someone went out on a boat and they didn't come back. That's about the extent of what you would know off the top of your head. All right, so he shrugs. Okay. I want to emphasize, um, at least so far, there have not been bodies found. It's people going missing. Yeah. yeah. Dane, uh, Dane just assumes it's an attack because teeth, no, creature. That's, yeah. that's very reasonable. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I'm just saying that you haven't, you don't have bodies yet that yeah. might help you identify where they drifted in from or anything I got like you. that. So Dane is asking these questions because I was reading through the reference sheet and I saw something really interesting under I use magic and that I kind of want to try. Okay. Dane wants to try and observe yesternight. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Well, what the hell is that? So I want to say here, use magic is a very versatile thing. Yeah. We should establish, like, if this was Cassandra asking it, then I wouldn't put up any dispute, and I'm not going to put up a big dispute here. I just want to know, like, what gives you the ability to, like, do that? Dane was going to try and invoke whatever power that lies within them this 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 is a bit of a reach for them but they know that this is something that might be possible with their power okay they they know that monsters can do weird things and is like i might as well try something okay yeah go ahead um roll plus weird okay dane will reach into their one like belt pouch and pull out some eyedroppers and then kind of turn their back to everyone else and one of the scars on their hand will open up and you'll see the the row of teeth and a single eye that lies in the void and they'll- You don't see this, right? You don't see it. Dane is turning his back to everybody and put a couple drops into the eye and then kind of like hold it out. Oh, that's fantastic. Roll plus weird. Uh Oh no, dice, where'd you go? Come back to me. Oh, wow. Holy sh... Okay, that's, uh, that is a very poor. That is, uh, total six. Wow. So, (laughs) that's an experience point, though. I'll take that. (laughs) Great. All right. You see a somewhat similar vision as Cassandra did. You see, you look out, and it's suddenly nighttime, and there is a light out on the water. And you stare at that light, Something about as you stare about it, it seems to, much like it did for Cassandra, it grows and grows until it feels like all you can see. And then everything just goes white. And from y'all's side, you see Dane hold up his hand and then freeze a little bit in place. And then Dane proceeds to just walk out into the water. Hey, what's up?
I just scarfed down two chicken legs, a chicken breast, and a chicken thigh. So. Oh, you should see him drink. <laughs> So you're saying you ate a chicken? I ate a chicken, <laughs> yeah. I was drinking water. No. 